0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Before we hear from David, let's hear the Word of God uh, from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before people, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive people their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show people they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to people that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you thanks David
1: well morning everyone and thank you for thank you for having uh, having me here this morning thank you too for your partnership in the gospel with uh, AFES and uh, Christine and Ellen and the uh, great to see uh, them commissioned this morning sent out by their church uh, to with the gospel with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ Uh, let me pray for us as we uh, come to God's word. Oh, our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that, <clears throat> that you are the God who speaks to us, who makes your ways known, uh, who calls us into your family, uh, who, uh, we ask now that as we uh, continue to work through this great and wonderful Sermon on the Mount, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you might give us uh, hearts that are inclined to your word, that are soft towards what it is that you have to say to us. Help me to speak what is true, what is right, to speak clearly. Help us to listen well, to believe your words, and put it into practice. So we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder how much do you care about what others think about you? Are you someone who's kind of mostly happy, regardless of what other people think, Uh, and you uh, you don't you don't really mind whether people think highly or lowly of you, or are you someone who finds it really hard when people don't appreciate you, when people don't affirm you for things you've done and uh, for things that you are the way the things that you're working at? We are of course all different. Uh, but not so different, I think, that we don't look and seek to be loved uh, and to, to want to be known by others. Not, not so different that we don't at some level seek approval from other people. Perhaps some of us uh, chase those likes on social media just a little too much. Or perhaps we just like it when people respect us and think well of us. I, really, I, I guess I think this is probably natural, actually. Um, after all, we are relational people. God has made us to, to be known and to be loved. We, uh, God himself loves us deeply, doesn't he, in our Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes we can seek that love and approval in places other than in god 's love for us, we can be caught up in what other people think of us, wanting their respect and approval more than God more than, more than approval and reward from god and it 's at this point of misdirected approval seeking that Jesus speaks into this morning in our Bible reading. Uh, Obviously, you've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five to seven, and previously, Jesus, he set a pretty high standard for right living, hasn't he, for for righteous living. Uh, Back in, in chapter five, he'll say things like, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And as Jesus talks about the law, I think, in effect, what he does really is raise the bar for godly and right living. Because Jesus, he'll repeatedly say, you've heard it said, dot, 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 and he'll quote some part of the Old Testament or some tradition. But I tell you, dot, dot, dot. And really, what Jesus does in these statements is he moves our obedience to the law from something external something we do to something internal, to our heart attitudes, to our desires, our longings, our motives. And well, it's much harder to have right desires and longings and motives, is it, than just do something externally. And so then there's a natural flow into this next section which which was read for us where Jesus highlights a particular risk of false motive that we face in trying to live and seeking to live as disciples of Jesus, as seeking to live the righteous life. That's the risk of doing righteous things in order to look good in front of other people, to gain reward and approval from people rather than God. I have a look at, at verse 1 where Jesus says, if you have your Bibles out, if you don't, it'll be really helpful. Uh, Jesus will say, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before people to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then Jesus gives three examples of the kind of righteousness that he has on view here. Uh, There's giving to the needy and then prayer, and then fasting. So I, I, I guess the kind, of, the kind of acts that Jesus is talking about, the practices that he's talking about, they seem to be religious acts. The, the kind of thing that if you lived in the first century at the time of Jesus, every religious person did these things. Everybody gave to the needy, everybody prayed, everybody fasted. And I, th- I think that that continues today, doesn't it? These are the kind of things that as Christians we still do together. And so in this section, Jesus, he calls us to just pause for a moment to take stock and ask how, how are we going about doing these things? What does the way we do these things reveal about our hearts and our attitudes? Do do Jesus' disciples do these things for reward or praise or affirmation from other people? Or do they act seeking God's approval? Uh, Like so much of what Jesus has to say, I I find this a challenging statement. Maybe, Maybe you do too, because... I have to admit the truth is that my motives are always mixed. And perhaps that's true for most of us. We, we really do want to seek approval from God and not from others. I think we do want that. But you know and I know that this isn't always so easy. It's hard to care nothing about what other people think, isn't it? We can know in our heads that we live for an audience of one, that's our Heavenly Father. We can know in our heads that God will give his approval and reward when we stand before him on that last day, but, you know, that day can seem far off, can't it? We can long for affirmation here and now. It can, it can be really tough when you feel unappreciated in what you do here at church well, then maybe, maybe something, it's something else. Maybe we just fear that others will judge us. Others will find us less righteous than them, less godly than them. And so we seek to kind of shore up our approval rating in front of our fellow believers. Whatever our motives, mixed or otherwise, Jesus calls on us to stop and think because he wants us He wants to urge us to have assurance that God's approval really is enough. God's approval really is enough. So let's have a closer look at these three examples of righteous acts that that Jesus uh, gives. There's giving to the needy, praying, fasting. And the first thing you'll notice of course is that there's a lot in common in each example, isn't there? In fact, they, they have an almost identical pattern to them. You would have heard it as they read it. It goes something like this, when you do this righteous thing, whether it's give to the needy, pray fast, when you do this. Secondly, do not act like the hypocrites to be seen by others. And then there's an example of what that might look like. Uh, perhaps you, when you give to the needy, you announce it with trumpets. I have to say that's not something I've ever done, but uh, it would seem in, in Jesus' time that would happen. Uh, or perhaps you pray on the street corners. Or when you're fasting, you make it obvious to others that you're fasting by looking sad and disfiguring your face. And then Jesus will say, Truly people who do that have received their reward in full. They've been seen by others. They've been honored by others. They've been thought well of by others. They've been approved of by others. They are respected by others. And that's all they're getting, says Jesus. There's there's no more reward coming from God. And so then Jesus offers an alternative. Fourthly, he says, do your righteous acts in secret. Give to the needy without your left hand knowing what your right hand is doing. When you pray, go into your room, close the door. Pray in secret to your father who is unseen. When you fast, do it in such a way so that it's not obvious. Only God sees what you're doing. And then, conclusion, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Five parts to each section. When you, dot, 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 do not act like the hypocrites to be seen by others, because they've had their reward in full, so when you do these things, do them in secret, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The point Jesus is making, it's not that complicated, is it? When we stop and think about the the religious acts of service we do, it's it's a question of what motivates us and how we might know. And so Jesus will say, do not be like the hypocrites. I really love the word hypocrite. Um, what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite, at its core, is an actor. Someone who puts up a mask, who pretends to be one thing, but underneath, they're really something completely different. You know, as Australians, I think we are all across hypocritical behaviour, aren't we? We can smell it a mile off, and we do not like it one bit. Uh, you might have noticed, it's been an, uh, an election yesterday. We have a new government, that's exciting. Um, or not, depending on your, on your political <laughs> persuasion. And so politicians have been kind of on my mind recently, and hypocrisy is everywhere in politics, isn't it? Because politicians, well they pretend to care about some issue, and they say, yes, we really care about the environment, yes, we really care about uh, the economy, we care about the poor, whatever it is. But then we find out, well, they just do nothing about it. Or their actions deny what they've just said. They, they pretend to care, but they don't really. They just want you to vote for them, or uh, something like that. Well, the opposition, of course, they'll accuse the government over some indiscretion, uh, the way that, that, that people are treated. We've, but then they just go ahead and do exactly the same thing. And it just becomes a, an opportunity to score points. It's probably why politicians are consistently at the bottom of those most trusted professions lists. They are even lower than church ministers, and sadly we have more than enough hypocrisy in our own backyard, don't we? Don't be like that, says Jesus. Don't, be, don't pretend you're one thing when really you're something else. Don't pretend to be generous when really you're acting for self-gain. Don't pretend to depend on God in prayer when really you're mainly depending on praise from others. Don't pretend to be seeking God in fasting when really you're just seeking approval from others. It strikes me that our use of social media is one area where we are at greatest risk of falling into this trap. You know, the whole ecosystem of social media, the social media world is designed to gain approval from others, isn't it? You put something out, a photo, you share something, whatever it is, what you're doing, and then you look to see who's noticed, who's read it, who's liked my post. And we do often share about the things that we're doing our service for God because we we love that. But are we sharing what we're doing in God's service to encourage others, to build them up? Or or is it because we're seeking out approval from people, from those likes rather than from God? It's hard, isn't it? Because again, our, our motives are mixed so often but maybe it's worth pausing and assessing our motives before sharing that photo and post. Why am I doing this? Is there another way? All right, so if, if this kind of hypocritical righteousness is a challenge for us, what do we do? How do you avoid it? After all, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't, no one wants to be a hypocrite. Well, Jesus' answer, sadly, Jesus' answer is very, very simple. The way to avoid doing something in order to receive praise from others wait for it -- is simply to do it in a way that nobody knows. If they don't know what you're doing, no one will affirm or appraise you in it. You won't win approval from anyone if they don't know what you've done. When you give to the needy, keep it secret. Don't let let even your left and your right hand know. When you pray, go into your room, close the door. When you fast, make sure you look like you're not. It's a simple argument, but challenging. That's kind of, I guess, the negative side. But there is also a positive side of what Jesus has to say here. Uh, Then the positive argument is to shift our source of reward and approval, to seek reward from the God who sees what is done in secret. The logic is that if God sees what is done in secret and rewards what is done in secret, then we don't need reward from others. Now, I wonder, what do you think of that? Is, that? is that enough for you? Perhaps for some of us, you might not. It's good theory, but it's not quite satisfying enough. Because approval and reward from God, well, it seems like something that will come in the future, in the future. Maybe the distant future. We can, we can want approval now, here and now. But as I kind of thought about this and pondered, I wonder if relegating reward from God completely to the future is an error. It's useful to compare and consider the differences between reward from people and the kind of reward that God might offer. Now, to be sure, there is, I think, a future aspect to reward from God, to stand before God and hear his commendation, well done, good and faithful servant. That will surely be a special moment to hear our Father, the ruler of the universe, say those words to a faithful servant. But could there not also be reward from God now? Think about the examples Jesus gives. What rewards, firstly, do people give, and what rewards <clears throat> might we receive from God? For, well, from people, that's, that's obvious enough. It's things like praise, status, respect, power, influence. But reward from God is maybe a little different. When we give to the needy in secret... Our focus shifts from ourselves to seeing God at work in the situation. We'll give thanks as we see God provide for people. We'll see that maybe the person that we've given to grows in their trust in God as they experience God providing for their daily needs. Maybe your gift is even an answer to their prayer. The prayer in the... That we see in the Lord's prayer, "Our Father in heaven, give us today our daily bread." Well, when we pray in secret, our focus again it shifts from ourselves to seeing God at work in answering our prayers. We rejoice as we see God's faithfulness and power. Surely, that's worth seeing and not being distracted by what other people think of us and our prayers. Or when we fast in secret, there's probably a better chance we'll actually be thinking about and reflecting on God rather than be distracted by others. And so just maybe we'll be more likely to grow to be like Jesus in that. These things, I think, they're rewards that God gives here and now, not just future things. And these, they're great. Jesus said that those who act for praise from people, they've received their reward in full. They forfeit these things. They miss out. And it's a lie from the devil that there is anything we could have now from others that is better than what God gives. Let us pray we do not fall into this trap. Uh, At this point, I just want to kind of pause sideways for a second because it's it's worth addressing a commonly arising issue around the secret aspect of giving, praying, and fasting that Jesus talks about here because, because surely Jesus can't, mean that we always do these things in secret. And of course, there's plenty of examples in the Bible, isn't there, of God's people doing these acts together. You could think of how Paul urges the Corinthians to be prepared to give help to the the churches in Judea. That's something they kind of do as a church together. Uh, The very many examples of God's people praying together or the nation when the nation of Israel calls a fast, expressing their sorrow and repentance as a nation. And of course, the most obvious example comes from this very passage. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door. But then, what does he say to pray? He says... Pray to our Father in heaven, not my Father in heaven. It's a communal, corporate prayer. It's a prayer that we're meant to pray together as God's people, not just individually. In fact, so much of Jesus' teaching on prayer here does lift our eyes from ourselves to our Father and our neighbour. We pray to a God who is present and knows our needs before we ask him. We pray pray this God-centered prayer that he might be glorified and that his will might be done. And even in our prayer for ourselves, there's a focus on others, on our forgiveness of one another, just as God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus. And so we should remember that throughout the whole sermon, Jesus, like we've been saying, is concerned about our heart attitude And a moment's thought will tell you that it's very much possible to do these things in secret with the wrong heart attitude, isn't it? It's possible to use secrecy in giving as a cover for greed and lack of generosity. It's possible to use secrecy in prayer as a cover for prayerlessness. It's possible to use secrecy and fasting as a cover for never setting aside time to be with God to the exclusion of other things. And so there can very much be a place for sharing in things like giving and praying and fasting. If, rather than seeking approval from God, we are seeking together to grow to be more like our Father, seeking to spur one another on in generosity and prayerfulness and intimacy with God. The point Jesus is making is not really about secrecy at all, but ensuring that when we do practice these things, It's with right motive, for God's glory, seeking reward from him, not others. All right, so let me draw together some thoughts to help us rightly live as disciples of Jesus in these areas. It seems to me that these three religious practices that Jesus chooses here, they're they're just examples. It's not meant to be an exhaustive list. Although the fact that Jesus gives more detail on prayer could suggest just how critical prayer is for us. Um, although having said that, maybe you're pleased to know I opted not to preach the second sermon just on Jesus' teaching on prayer here. Uh, nonetheless, there are ways we demonstrate our devotion, our love for God and love for neighbor many ways that we do that we're all here at church this morning aren't we and many of us are serving in many different ways thank you to those who provided me with a coffee when I came in there's things like setup tech music the kids ministry everything else that happens here on a Sunday not to mention during the week We read our Bibles personally as families. We visit those who are sick or in prison and care for them. We open our homes in hospitality. We provide food for those in our community. Maybe those who are stuck in isolation because of COVID. And all these things like praying, giving, fasting, they are great things to do. And just like giving, praying, fasting, when we do them, well, we should do them, but we need to do them with the right motive and heart. Because we can look from commendation from others in all these things. But when we in our service at church, in, uh, when we cook for someone or visit someone who is sick. Even though we don't have to, because it's just nice when others think well of us. So what's going to help? What practical things can help us have the right attitude in these areas? Here's one random example, just by coincidence. Uh, my wife and I received a, a note in the post this week. Here it is, it's very, um, very impressive. Um, but it's actually a prayer that someone has written out and posted to us, except it's anonymous. Uh, And we don't know who sent it. Uh, But it is clear from the content of the prayer that the writer knows us and our situation. And it was a great encouragement. So here's a way that, that this person will get, they will get no thanks or approval from us, will they? But God knows who wrote this prayer for us. God knows who prayed for us. God will hear this person's prayer. And I trust that God will reward that person as they see him answer that prayer in our lives. If they're well enough to know what they pray, if they know us well enough to know what they pray, they'll know when God answers and they'll be encouraged and build up. Isn't that an interesting way of, of doing Something like this, it captures what's going on. It's not the only way, of course. I think we can also help each other in this area uh, because none of us is immune to seeking out reward and approval from others. It's easy to feel discouraged or taken advantage of in ministry in the ways that we serve. Perhaps you've even found yourself complaining that no one cares about what you're doing in God's kingdom. No one shares your enthusiasm or passion for the particular thing that God has laid on your heart. Something we can do in these kind of situations is remind each other that God sees, that God knows, and that God will reward. And it can just be helpful to hear that from each other from time to time. When we're feeling like no one appreciates, remind each other God sees, God knows. That's what matters. And if it is true, it, well, it just doesn't matter if no one else is paying attention and no one else is acknowledging us. We can also take care about our language when we praise others we serve alongside. You see, you can can thank someone in such a way that puffs that person up. Or you can do so in a way that lifts up and glorifies God. I think the Apostle Paul, he often does this in his letters. He's filled with thanks and praise for the the people that he writes to. But when when he writes them, he always thanks God for how God is at work in their lives. And so maybe that's something we could do more of. There's a small difference, isn't there, between thanking someone for how well they led music at church today and letting them know how thankful you are to God for their service in music. That's really helped you honor and focus and worship God this morning. It still encourages them, but it shifts the focus to bringing glory primarily to God. And finally, of course, Jesus helps us. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus does love us and know us, and God's love is expressed in him sending his son to die for us. Just as we ask in the Lord's Prayer in such simple words, Jesus delights to forgive our sins, to bring us back to himself. Could there be any greater certainty that we have God's approval no matter what than this kind of love and commitment to those he has made surely not with this kind of god there is no need to seek reward and approval from anyone else so let me pray let me pray that we might grow all the more in the kind of attitude that jesus speaks of here our heavenly father we thank you that you have saved us and brought us into your family. We thank you that you give us good works to do each day. You prepare these works in advance. We ask that as we serve you and love one another, that you will help us to do that with your approval in mind. Help us, lead us not into the temptation of being self Seeking self-glory and self-honor from others. But we ask that we might do what we do to receive reward from you. Knowing that you see all. You see what is done in public. You see what is done in secret. And help us to trust your words that this is enough. That we need no more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.